The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 86th episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. Ow! My name is Austin Sumwitz. I am your host for this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my buddy Floyd Johnson Jr. Floyd, how you doing, my man? I am doing wonderful. Uh, I got to go to Jacksonville this week and get got to see something very unexpected. We'll talk about that soon, but yeah, my week's going well. Also moved. I am now coming from you now uh, live from the All Things Elite studio. That's what I'm calling my uh, room that I get to uh, got to de- decorate on my own and all this stuff. It's going to be so cool. It's funny that, you know, I'm 40 and I'm just as excited as I was when I was 14 and got my own room. Bro, it's like when you just get your own place to do your own work, it's like liberating. But we are not just us two. We have a third with us this week. Our guest this week is from One Nation Radio, and it's the talented rapper slash producer, Rich Lada. Rich, how you doing, man? I'm chilling, Austin. How about you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm just overtly jealous of Floyd because, I mean... Yeah, you went to Jacksonville, and you saw something pretty unexpected. But I believe you saw probably one of the most unexpected things this year. Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty – I listen to Melter every day, and it was just like – I mean, he said on something because I assume he knows everything. And they didn't mention it, didn't hint at it. I didn't see it coming. It was great. Again, we'll talk to him. But before we get started, I want to shout out our co-host – for our guest this week, Mr. Rich Latta, last oh, on Thanksgiving, this is coming a couple weeks late. Uh, Rich heavily produced the new work from a Swerve City podcast called GPS. I think he produced everything but like one song. And I'm telling you, if you get a chance, go check out on you know, Spotify. Check out Swerve City po- uh, podcast. There's GPS. I bought it from Amazon, so it's available there. iTunes, everywhere you go. Uh, I I feel like I feel like, and personally, and this is not just because Rich here, because Rich started getting the messages from me a day later as I started listening to it. It's a perfect press play album. It's like 
every song on this album is good and they flow from one to to the next you get, rich got his own song on the uh, album uh and it's yeah, he got his own song nervous on the album another banger uh just hey it's like i said i always tell you it's like you my second favorite rapper i've always said that <laughs> and so i am not lying this is not me just blowing smoke Every time Rich puts something out, I play it, I listen to it, and if it sucked, I just won't say anything. I just, I, I know that. I just wouldn't say anything. I don't, I don't lie. So if it just sucked, I'd just be like, yeah, I listen to it. And there you go. That would be the end of it. So no, I actually do think it's good. I think everyone's listening. I, I keep sending links to people and I know they're probably tired of it, but damn it. Listen to the album before you, man. before you ignore me. Thank you so much, Floyd. And I, I got to kind of say in a, in a way you're kind of responsible for this, you know, um, you know, I, last time or one of the times I was on the show, of course, we were on with Montezzi. And Floyd was like, hey, why don't you come join me? And then from there, like, the relationship popped off between me and TZ. And um, then I met Swerve, like, shortly after. And it all comes back to Floyd and all things elite. So, um, 86 show. I have come to kill it. I can't get in trouble for liking AEW on this show. It's on. Yes. 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 I like, I, talent, talent introduced to talent. And y'all just attract to each other. And that just... Yeah, I, I tell y'all, y'all forgot more about music than I will ever know, but I enjoy what y'all do. <laughs> and as a, um, I consider myself a, at least a decent hip hop head, and I gotta say, the album is really that good. So definitely, if y'all get the chance, uh, put it on your Spotify, put it on your Apple Music, wherever you listen to, to music, definitely check them out. It's really, really good stuff. Appreciate but, you. Yeah, absolutely, man. But also, we're going to get into Dynamite this week. But before we do that, real quick, too, I know we've been plugging a lot of stuff, but we want to make sure you're downloading this show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to Spotify, you can also share the podcast around. Please leave a rating and review. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. You can support us by following us on social media. On Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod. At Social Suplex is our friends at Social Suplex who help make this show podcast this show possible, not podcast. I am at SZoomer4 on Twitter, and my buddy Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, Rich, can you let the lovely people know how to find you on social media? Yes, you guys can follow at RichLadder32 or at One Nation Radio on Twitter. Um, or check out check me out on YouTube if y'all want to hear some music stuff, got some album reviews, different stuff like that. Yeah, and now we normally go into the big news of the week, but I feel like the big news of the week we'll just get into when we talk about Dynamite this week. Because, I mean, like, I don't think there was anything bigger in AEW than what happened on Dynamite this week. And there was a lot that happened. That Yeah, that goes without saying. I clearly just say best Dynamite ever to me. <laughs> hey. I, it's like, he, he was there, so he's got a little bit of bias. But, I mean, like, he's not lying. Oh, I, I always say I am very open that – any match rating I get always gets a live bump. So it's just when you're there and it, it, you, you get that energy from everybody and people are, you literally see people standing up and like they're close enough. They're just not a bad seat, but they are standing up because they're in anticipation of what happens next. If you don't get caught up in that, I'm like in the main event, dude, the last 15 minutes, I did not sit down because <laughs> it yeah, was that man. good. 
<laughs> so, really and I can say too, like too. even though even though it was oh sorry, even though it's uh, I'll let I'll get this out real quick. Even though it was only like slightly filled to capacity, like barely at all, it sounded like it was. It was probably the most normal show I've like heard, like in terms of the crowd, just because like you can actually legitimately hear how hyped the crowd was. So like the pops were legitimate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, John Silver super over. <laughs> Uh, when, when Silver got eliminated, people sounded not happy. Um, one other thing I noticed, like, was when it was time for Kenny to do those four V triggers, all you heard was Kenny, Kenny. So it was, it was, yeah. it really came through in a good way. I, I put this in the chat. Kenny, Kenny Omega has now reached God level. Which Kenny Omega, <laughs> Kenny, ready. if he hadn't, he Kenny could V trigger a child and people would boo the kid. I mean, hasn't he done that already, though? <laughs> I'm just saying he's at that level. I, it's, it's like there is no heel. There is no face. Whatever happens to Kenny's opponent, they deserved it. As far as your best dynamite ever thing, it, it's definitely in the conversation. I, I just want to also shout out like the, the Atlanta show that had Cody and Warlow in the cage match. That's like a legendary show. Um, I think in the history of professional wrestling, that show. Um, Kansas City I, was Kansas the one that you know, what I liked the best that started with Kenny and Pac in the Iron Man match. That was yeah. like clearly my one to me because that match was so amazing. And man, this one they came with it. They came with it. Yeah, it, it was it was up there. It just felt like like big big news. Like uh, it sounds like Tony Khan wasn't capping. You know, maybe the balance of power is changing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. TK, I mean, just saying, TK said this might be the best dynamite ever. And I honestly, I went because I had the week off. And up until this week, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't moving or anything. So I was like, oh, okay, I might as well check the dynamite out. I get to see Mox versus Omega 2. I was at one, you know, I was at one that didn't actually count. Uh, but I was, I was like, so I should be at two. And, I didn't, you know, I thought it was going to be a really good dynamite. I had no idea that it was going to have like two moments that just had me jump out of my seat on the row and just go crazy. Was one of them Cody's entrance? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, let me tell you, yeah, it, it was 38 degrees <laughs> and it was cold. So Cody's coming out. His music starts. So I have on my Nightmare Family jacket and then I have a hoodie over it because I knew it was going to be cold. So I take off my hoodie for the entrance. And, you know, Cody's entrance is pretty big and pretty long. By the end of that entrance, I was freezing and put the hoodie right back on. Dude, I tried to go crazy. It was cold. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now let's just get into the actual show itself as we opened up with the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royale, which included so much talent. Obviously, one of the most over people in that match was John Silvers. Matt Hardy got booed just for eliminating him. He's got booed multiple times during that match. And I'm, I'm, I heard the commentators m multiple times mention how Matt Hardy eliminated Mark Quinn. I mean, like, bro, what the fuck? You just you just turn on the guys that you call the Hardy Boys that quickly? I was like, found that to be really funny. But this match itself overall just had so many things going on at once. You had the continuation of Sean Spears and Scorpio Sky. You had Hangman Adam Page 
slowly getting closer and closer to the Dark Order, you had the inner circle with MJF, Wardlow, and Sammy Guevara as they were just basically hiding for a majority of the matchup and then just coming in at the end to just team up on Miro and uh, Jungle Boy. But let's also say Miro looked like a fucking boss in this match. He just started wrecking house at one point. And the match finished up with uh, what people thought was going to be Wardlow and MJF after MJF eliminates Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara. But Orange Cassidy went under the ropes and was not eliminated, and then he proceeds to eliminate Wardlow. So next week will be uh, Orange Cassidy versus MJF for the Dynamite uh, Diamond Ring. And just hot start, hot start to this show. And there's just so many spots in this in this match that were just really great. But your guys' thoughts on this opening match? Uh, go ahead, Rich. Yeah, the- yeah. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Austin, like lots of inter- interwoven stuff uh, here. All the eliminations kind of had their own point. Uh, Miro did look like a monster. I believe this is like going to be his coming out party when we look at it about three or four months from now when he's actually his push begins because we know the records are going to reset in AEW and it's pretty much like a fresh year that's going to happen. Um, you know, he came in rather late and I know people wondering about his direction, but um, they kind of fooled me uh, here because I, I started the match a little late. So I ended up seeing, I didn't know Arn Cassidy was laying outside, but I was really excited for MJF and Wardlow. But um I thought this was like a cool battle where I don't think it's the best one they've ever done, but it it definitely did what it needed to do. Uh, Hangman and, uh, uh, you know, messing around with the Dark Order. Uh, Matt Hardy did eliminate Isaiah Cassidy, uh, not Mark Quinn. But, um, yeah, his heel turns furthering because we've seen him on BTE. We've seen him uh, starting to cut these promos. Uh, this guy's headed to be a heel. We knew that, like, it seems like his babyface clock kind of ran out. But, um you know, MJF and Orange Cassidy, obviously those are two guys that AW saw a lot in this past year. They've, you know, both did programs. Um, they did programs with Moxley. They did programs with Jericho. Got wins in those, uh, with, in Orange Cassidy's case. So looking forward to it next week with those two. Yeah, this Battle Royal reminded me of the Battle Royals that I used to see in the late 80s, early 90s, where the Battle Royal was just there to, um, it was there to build everything else. So Matt Hardy furthered his heel turn by eliminating literally the two most popular people in the battle Royal, which were hangman and John silver, you know, John silver's a heel, but he was literally getting the, uh, he was getting the loudest pops and then he got rid of hangman. And it was like the, the pop when dark order saved hangman dark order was faced for a second there. And then hangman got eliminated by Matt Hardy going out the other way. That was great. The Scorpio sky, uh, Sean Spears, especially with Sean, Spears coming in with the loaded glove and knocking him out, uh, causing him to get eliminated. It was like every elimination mattered. Every elimination built to another story or it could lead to a fight going along. Uh, they uh, they he still uh, had that uh, seed planted of the descent between MJF and uh, MJF and Wardlow in there. And then, uh, you know, when he eliminated Sammy and he acted like it was an accident, it was, it's like I said, it might not have been like the greatest battle royal, but it was probably one of the better booked battle royals I've ever seen. Yeah, Sammy and Jungle Boy were awesome on the apron, too. 
Yes, yes. They put on basically a match on the apron. That was like some of the best apron work. I kept waiting on one of them to accidentally fall and eliminate themselves. But those dudes are just too freaking talented. And shout out to Jungle Boy wearing that amount of gear because his gear is kind of small and how cold it was. Man, you're 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 a soldier, dude. You're a soldier. Like, I'm in fully clothed with a hoodie and a jacket on, and I'm cold. I could imagine being out there in just tights and a boots. I was cold in my house. He's just from the, like, I was going to say, where is he from? Is he from the northern areas? Because I was going to say, listen to you whine about the cold, and then I look outside, it's been snowing here, and I'm just like, yeah, uh, is it cold? Jungle Boy is from sunny California, so it was definitely cold to him. I would think so, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was crazy. You know, like I I really just like it it was like with the humidity and everything, it's a different kind of cold when Florida gets cold. Oh yeah. Yeah, like I was outside today with t shirts and a sweatpants on and it was like forty two degrees in Oklahoma and I was fine. I don't know why, but in Florida that cold hit a little different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything hits a little different in Florida. Yeah, but but after this match over, we had uh, for the first time ever the demo god Chris Jericho and Frankie Kazarian of SCU going one on one, and like Frankie's just really solid. I think he consistently showcases how good he is. I mean, every single member of SCU, I feel like when they get their individual chance to shine, they always do very well. Chris Jericho looked really well there was a ton of stuff that happened outside of this match mainly surrounding uh more of the inner circle and the best part was just seeing mjf walking down and he's got a white towel on his hands and he's looking like he's gonna just completely screw over chris jericho then sammy gets into a pulling fight with him and takes the towel away from mjf and then jericho thinks it was sammy that was gonna throw in the towel like God damn it if these guys aren't just so entertaining. But then just more craziness is going on outside, but eventually Chris Jericho hits the Judas effect after he escapes a submission attempt from Frankie Kazarian. And then just more fighting continues between Sammy, MJF, Hager, Wardlow. Then Jericho gets fed up with everything and then just says, okay, next week in seven days, you have an ultimatum. You got to figure out how to work together or inner circles breaking up i like oh my god it was like one direction breaking up all over again like why are you doing this don't do this to us boys don't do this to us but god damn if these guys don't still manage to make this group unbelievably entertaining even after over a year of being together and just really solid match but just everything that built up after and and at the end of the match was awesome and just it gets me more excited for next week because i'm just curious as to see what they're going to do with this ultimatum. But uh, we'll go to Floyd for this one first off. Uh, Floyd, your thoughts on this match specifically. Okay. Frankie Zarian put out a tweet. He says, when one is put in the game in clutch situations and they come through and drive in the winning run or hit a three at the buzzer or score the go-ahead TD every single time, logic dictates they should be a fixture in the starting lineup. Now, I don't know if that was – you know, if that's like really how he, if he's like angry or if that's building towards something, because the great thing in AEW, when you notice the Twitter does lead 
does equal storylines on the TV show. You're like, nothing is just said out there. So I don't know if Frankie's just actually showing real frustration or if it's working towards an eventual more aggression. But it's this was like the truest statement because what he keeps doing is every time they put Frankie in a match, he ends up having an amazing match. He did a freaking flux capacitor with Chris Jericho. And it was just like, I'm watching this match and I'm like completely taken in. These twos are two. What? What did they have? 50 years of wrestling experience between them both. And you know what? Pretty much. Not really a hot rivalry or anything, but I think, Everybody was engulfed and just wanting to know what was going to happen. Of course, the Judas effect hit after interference and distraction from the inner circle. But still, it was just a great professional wrestling match. There you yeah, go. Right, um, I, I think Jericho was like, you know, he, he obviously has seen better days. Uh, I think he's kind of winding it down as a, as a in-ring talent. Like I think he's, you know, on the other side, he's in the shower as they say. Um, <laughs> but Frankie Kazarian, uh, no days off. He fights like he can't go back. He is the AEW answer to Roderick Strong. Um, he's uh, just someone that I would let wrestle anybody on my roster well, we saw it when he faced hangman um, a couple weeks ago we saw it um, when he faced john moxley during the summer um he's just a guy that you can get solid as fuck tv matches out of um i think the inner circle is a little long in the tooth in some ways they're a representation of oh my god am i really gonna say this the old AEW, like the AEW that just came on national television um I, I really like the direction they're going. Like every step of the way, it's been entertainment, but these angles are moving forward. Um, it kind of feels, and Floyd may appreciate this. Uh, it feels like when Cody was, you know, like his role, like when he was breaking, trying to break up the Bullet Club. I feel like MJF is doing that with um, the Inner Circle. The same brain stress is kind of in charge. You can see footprints of that with the towel stuff this week, and um, I thought that. Um, that that that's really interesting, like how they did that with Jericho not being sure if it was Sammy that was trying to screw him. So from there, maybe he loses Sammy's trust, the one guy that's always been on his side, and they've teamed together the most. All in all, um, I think the the angle was way more important than the match was, but you know, they're not all going to win. Yeah, and like you said, seriously, it's like I don't, I can't think of many times where. Frankie Kazarian is called upon and he doesn't deliver. Like I do think the the Roderick Strong one's an interesting comparison because I do think he's one of those guys too. And it's like you kind of those comparisons that you don't put together. But yeah, dude, Frankie just um, unbelievably chill. And at the same time, though, it's like you call on him, he's going to give you his absolute best, and he will be sure to deliver every single time. But after this, we had a short little interview with the Young Bucks as the claimed interrupted and rapped about the Bucks' new book, mainly about how it looks like they're looking down at their genitals. Ha. And then after that, TH2, who will be getting a shot against the Young Bucks in a non-title match next week, then attacks the Young Bucks from behind. And then that would lead into the women's match on the show, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus legit Layla Hirsch. And I gotta say, don't know who Layla Hirsch is. She's very... she She reminds me of, like... I don't know, it's a weird comparison, but, like, like she's the size of Alexa Bliss, but she moves, like, say, so- Sonya Deville. And, like, 
the way that she mixes that MMA style in there was really good against Britt Baker. And the way that uh, Reba came in or Rebel came in to distract the referee as Britt Baker then nails a vicious net breaker and then gets that locked jaw in. And then after the match, like literally like two seconds later, Thunder Rosa just comes in and just starts beating the shit out of her. And then there's a rivalry that we have for the women's roster that like has a lot uh, going for it, I think, because it seems like the crowd are really into it. People really like Thunder Rosa. And these two, like, Brit's your best heel on the women's division. So, like, that felt like a big moment for the women's division that I thought, like, okay, great. We got something that we can really latch onto. And it's not even for the title. And I think there are some stuff that they're doing with the the women's title that I'm excited about. So, like, like I said, we're really starting to pick up a little bit more when it comes to the women's division. And, yeah, I'm just... Britt Baker and uh, Thunder Rosa, like just this feud is something that I'm like, yes, this is a win in my eyes. But Rich, you got any thoughts about uh, the women's match on the show? Yeah, uh, I want to say something about Max Caster too. So um, uh, Max Caster did his rap, and you know, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't like <laughs> weigh yeah, in on that. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I, that that just clicked. I'm like, you know what? I have a rapper with me. Maybe ask him what he thought of the ball. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Um, so Max Caster, I think is normally way better than they showed on national television. I am happy for the acclaim to get the call up to uh, Dynamite. I've been following them on Dark. They've been awesome every week. Um, and Caster's raps have been way more, like, uh, they've been way better on Dark. He does this thing on Twitter where he drops a video every Friday. And he can actually rap. Uh, I, I have respect for his ability, but this one was not it. I don't, I don't know what that verse was. The only thing I can think of is that he got told to do this on very short notice, and he, he like, I'm talking, like, hey, an hour, like, maybe. And then it's, you know, if he was trying to memorize it, it might have been difficult. But I think with more preparation, he'll be fine. Um, as far as the match, I think the match was a little sloppy. However, um, I love when the doctor's on the screen. So I'm very into the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa feud after, you know, that, that jumped off after the match. I think Layla Hurst is a, uh, is a nice prospect. She's a long-term play. You hope that she turns into someone and fans get behind her because a lot of fans already like her. She looks unique. And, um, <clears throat> you know, she, she's different. Like, uh, I, I think there's room for someone uh, like her on the show. What I would have liked to see in this is have Layla Hirsch, like, on dark three weeks beating up people. So you can kind of make a small video package to make the fans in the building care about her because right. her wrestling style is very, uh, it's, it's very like insider, like mm -hmm. people that only people that actually care about in-ring work know how good she is. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, but to a fan, when you watch her wrestle and she's really good with the mat game, it's like, why do I care about this? Britt Baker is going to win. I just think they could have done more to build up Layla Hirsch having a chance. I mean, I, I, I see female Kurt Angle. I mean, I know, I know she's going to, I know she's got a long way to go as far as talent, but just uh, the beginning of her lockup and her, her kind of aesthetic is like that. So um, I'm looking, I'm looking at her, but I was like, I'm in there and it's like the one point in the show about halfway through the match. You can see they started, people started to care, but the first half of this match, it was like, okay, Britt Baker's out there. Yay. Who's this other person? And I just don't think, yeah. 
in the women's division, you have too much room for that. Because, again, people tend to turn the channels. So you want to keep the channel on by almost presenting each match like they can be competitive, like either one could win. It was just like, and if if you're going to give Britt Baker a jobber, just have her win in like a minute and a half. Don't, because you're like, she's going long distance with this person I've never heard of, if you don't watch mm-hmm. Dark. So I just think Britt could have been presented better, and then he could have got to the Thunder Rosa part a little bit faster. Because Thunder Rosa is over as hell. In the building, yeah. uh, she is over. And it's like everybody wants to see these two people fight. It was like the match kind of just was like, okay, we're waiting for something to happen. And then it finally did. So, Floyd, I know you hate short people. So um, <laughs> how do you feel about Layla Hurst? <laughs> Let me tell you. You want to know something? I am, I, am, I am unfortunately sexist. I hate short men. I have no problem with short women. It's like, hey, I was gonna say, you know, give me Alexa Bliss and give me Alexa Bliss all day. It's just like when I see a guy that's like five three, I'm like, why didn't you keep growing? You know, and it's 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 on me. (laughs) It's on me, and it's like sometimes you can, you know, sometimes hey, people have gotten over the hump. I always say the person that shall not be named was only five seven five eight wow. and he was one of my favorite <laughs> look that man had pent up aggression that man should have kept growing exactly he was one of my favorite player wrestlers ever so you can get past it john silver i'm a john silver mark all the way it's just initially you it's like it's like you know a tall person starts at zero Short people started like negative four, and you got to work your way up to zero. Wow. I'm just, hey, I'm going to be real. If you ask me, I'm telling you the truth. It's, hey, everybody has something they don't like. I don't like it. It's like, why are you so short? What's going on? What's, what's going on? Okay. With that out of the way, we get to the main main thing that a lot of people have been talking about uh, besides the main event, and it's what happened in the match between TNT champion Darby Allen and the American Cody versus Team Taz members, absolute Ricky Starks and powerhouse Hobbs. I'm probably not going to be able to do this justice. So, I mean, Floyd was there, so he can describe in vicious detail of exactly what happened in this match. And, after the match. So I started questioning Cody's sanity at the beginning of this match. Because when they said, oh, he's wrestling, tagging with Darby again. Him and Darby as a tag team never win. <laughs> it was like, I don't know why. They just never win. So I'm like, why does Cody keep tagging? I'm like, y'all say wins and losses matter. One of them should have recognized that they never win when they're tagged together and say, hey, I'm not tagging with you anymore. So I'm like, maybe, you know, I'm watching the match and I'm like, Cody comes out with his entrance, which I saw something very funny where they had a Simpsons meme where they show all these explosions behind Homer and then Ralph with the sparklers comparing Cody's entrance to everybody else's. I think that's perfect because good Lord. If you didn't know anything about wrestling and you saw Cody's entrance, that's the main guy. His entrance puts everybody else's to shame. If you're like a first-time watcher, it's like Cody and then probably Jericho because of the sing-along. But the match starts. The match is just, it, honestly, just a match. I mean, you know, as Rich would say, it's Cody, so it's probably mid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
I wasn't gonna be mean tonight. I'm in a great mood tonight. I don't need to be upset. You know, you know, Cody came out there right in the middle of the show. You know, yeah. So he came in, did his thing. It was a match. I couldn't really tell you much that happened in it. Uh, like I mean, like I'm being honest. I remember the crossroads, and I remember like the pin to end it. But it, it all built to one part. After the match, uh, you know, Team Taz is doing their thing, beating down Kobe and Darby, Darby as they do. It seems like uh, something that they do. And then the lights go out and, like, you see snow and stuff coming up. And I'm like, no, this is not him. No, this is not him. It was like it, it was like this visceral thing came out. And then the words, letters came up on Sting. I went nuts. I'm talking running up and down the steps. Like, I'm glad. I, and I put, I was like, because um, Caleb, our uh, group troll, was like, you're going to be disappointed by going to Jacksonville. And I put, which I very rarely cuss in the group chat, I put motherfucking worth it. <laughs> this was worth the trip. <laughs> Because we saw Sting. And he comes back in the back. And, man, Taz's reaction was perfect. He's like, he grabbed the three and said, let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> was yes. a, it was Dude amazing. The dudes started eliminating themselves from the Royal Rumble when Sting came out there. Yes. <laughs> he got, they, they broke. And I was like, man, it was the perfect reaction. The stare down between him and Arn. The stare down between, I don't, like, I don't even know what was on TV because I have actually not watched it on TV yet. The stare, when he, him and Darby, like, looking at each other like they look into a mirror. And it was just that intense moment. No word said, but everything was said just in it. It's just like when someone's been doing this long enough, just his presence, his reaction, his very micro emotions told a whole story, cut a whole promo without saying a word. It was fucking awesome. Man, it was great. Yeah, man. Um, as somebody that was a huge fan of WCW when I was younger, um, I was wearing a WCW Nitro hat. I have one on right now. Um, I was wearing a WCW Nitro hat when Sting came on the screen. And when Tony Schiavone said, there's a lot of people around the world that remember March 26, 2001, I fired up. I got excited. I was moved by it. Um, there were some people on Twitter said they were crying. Like, it was like Sting is home. Like, um, it, it was just a great moment. It was um, just just stuff you can't script. Like, like when you think about in the vacuum, yeah, this dude just walked out to the ring. He looked at Arn Anderson. He, he looked at Cody and he looked at Darby, but just that in itself was just this great story. Like you get his awesome new music walks out eye to eye with Arn Anderson, a man he has all this history with then been the hell and back fought wars against. Um, he looks at Cody, who they describe as Cody's favorite wrestler growing up. Sting knows this. Uh, worked with his dad. Like, his dad ensured he'd be tagged with his dad. Um, then he's looking at the face of TNT. You know, the old TNT looking at the new TNT. The face paint. The Darby's been sitting in the in the uh, rafters for weeks. Like, you just see it and you hear Shivani saying it. It just felt so awesome. Like, it was... It, it was one of the biggest, best moments in Dynamite history, honestly. 
Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, uh, it's like right there with Mox putting Omega through the glass on the first show. It's just like something I will absolutely 125% never forget. It will be like, it's one of my favorite wrestling moments ever because, you know, you heard stuff, you know, like WWE took down this merchandise, but they always have people go in and out. It's like, whatever. But, you know, he shows up on TNT, you know, uh, that was most of my childhood sting. Like when I was, when I was young, it was like, I really like face painted wrestlers. I, that, I was all about them and sting was it. And dude, I can remember putting scorpion death locks on teddy bears. And then like, I've met him before and it's just like this moment he shows up and it's like, ah, I was just telling rich a story and I can tell you uh, this and add to it. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings tonight and you're like, why the hell is he talking about Buffalo Wild Wings? I'm sitting at my table. And I guess, you know, they had saw my shirt. I'm wearing my Sting shirt still or whatever. And I heard them talking about how they hadn't watched wrestling in 20 years, but Sting was back. And they were talking about AEW. These people that couldn't have been more disconnected from wrestling. And this is Friday, two days after it happened, still talking about Sting coming back. It doesn't just shake the wrestling world. It shook pop culture. There's going to be a lot of discussion about AEW signing Sting. Like, he's 61 years old. Um, there were dummies passing around memes with Goldberg holding a universal title and saying, you know, just a bunch of bad faith stuff about it. And But we know how the WWE stuff goes when it comes to people's health. We know how Sting's, like, he has spinal stenosis stuff like that. We heard about it with Edge. It's on the WWE Network. Like, these people with these big injuries, Daniel Bryan, WWE will clear you if they feel like you have value and keep you. However, they wouldn't clear Sting, but they didn't keep him either. So, any of these people could have walked. But, you know, we, we knew Edge was talking with AEW. So, Sting actually leaving, it just feels right. Sting has no legacy in WWE. This, like, it's Turner Network Television. Not so much about AW, but it just feels right. Like, he, Sting doesn't need to be there. He's not their legend. And there's just, anyone that's hearing this, I'm sure that you're going to see a bunch of shit on, on Twitter about Sting. Remember how you felt in a moment when he walked out. Now, and, and ignore the noise. And also, like, let's just comment on the fact that, like, people may have said, like, said stuff like, oh, Dan, it's like, that's pretty like i knew that was no one fucking knew like that was one of the few returns like i would think in this year the two returns that nobody fucking saw coming was edge royal rumble and this dude it's like one of those things where it's like you're just completely fucking flabbergasted because you're like there's no way there's no way and you heard no rumors you heard nothing and all of a sudden you see sting back on turner broadcasting like for the first time in almost 20 years yeah, and that's what I like. And that's what I'll give the shout out to people like, you know, Dave Meltzer in this case. He knew he could have reported it. He, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. He let you be surprised. And it's just like when people's like he just hates wrestling. You're like you don't. I guess you don't listen to the show because obviously he knew this has happened. There's no way they keep this big a secret. And he held it. And it's I just 
gotta commend. I'm just like, I didn't like, I was, I am so shocked I was not spoiled by this anywhere. It's, you know, when you're in it, when you're in it, like me and Rich are on Twitter, in wrestling groups, listening to Meltzer, listening to Voices of Wrestling. When you're in it, you kind of know everything that's going to happen. And I didn't know this was going to happen. Like two things happened in the same night that I had no clue were going to happen. That's it, it brings back that excitement. I can't wait till next Wednesday. Like I haven't felt this way about wrestling in a long time. Yeah, we know he signed a multi-year deal. We know that he's like we don't know exactly what he'll be doing. We'll be finding out a little bit more about it next week obviously, but I mean, like if you're not excited to see what the hell he does, like I don't know what to tell you, man. But like I, I think, was I think completely like, floored. I think he needs to be like a fixture in like the trios division whenever it comes. Yeah, I mean, that could be something. I mean, there's a yeah, lot there's a lot that you, you could know, possibly think of. You know, hit him just hit 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 a couple people with the bat, you know, it's just, just real low risk stuff. Like I, I don't really need much. Yeah. We're just happy that he's here at all, because like none of us thought this would happen. But now let's get into main event time. The AEW World Championship on the line between the champion John Moxley and the number one contender, Kenny Omega, with one Don Callis on commentary, which would come into play much later. You know, perfect AEW thing. He had already done it. You know, came out for the commentary to Hangman match. Just sat there, did commentary, match was over, and left. So, you pretty much thought that's how this was going to go. He's just his hype man. Yeah, he's just his hype man. He just loves calling Kenny matches. Just think of it. They're just like, oh no, that was perfect, dude. Who who thinks to do that, Rich, in wrestling? So it, it even goes beyond that. Like they have set this up so masterfully, it's like it's not funny. So like, let's think of back out back to AEW All Out after Kenny Omega loses. He storms out of the building, just how he stormed out of the building. He's just kind of under a different context, like he did last night. There's a big black um, Escalade waiting for him. He asked the Bucks, are you coming with me? No? Okay, fuck it. I'm, I'm going. So who knows where he went that during, during that time? They did an interview with Kenny, not at his house, right? But there's a picture of Don Callis there with Kenny Omega's uncle sitting on the side. We get to the pay-per-view. As you mentioned, Floyd, Don Callis shows up to give us like, oh, yeah, remember when Don Callis used to call Kenny Omega's matches? Oh, this is really nice. Like, oh, hopefully, you know, maybe this is part of his new gimmick. He'll, he'll show up and he'll call Kenny's big matches. That's kind of where we thought, right? Then in the feud leading up with John Moxley, Kenny's in the parking lot on the phone with someone headed to get on a plane. It's, where would it, he need a plane to go to Canada for Callis? <laughs> um, and then this, like Don Callis shows back up after already establishing that trust. And I just want to know when John Moxley went soft. You do all these death matches. You, 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 you do all this bleeding, the barbed wire and, and a little microphone puts you down. 
Like, this, this is what's happened? Oh, uh, Moxley? So, just had a little joke there. But, yeah, they've set this up masterfully. So, I guess we can talk about the match. And then we'll really get into the, the big breakdown. Yeah, so, the match itself was just true. Like, you got to see Kenny Omega wrestle, like, like you've expected Kenny Omega to wrestle. But... It was it was it was every much a pay per view match with commercial breaks. Seriously, yeah. I I, I would have like, loved a. Seeing... I would have loved AEW to do that last part commercial free. I know they can't. The point is to make money with commercials. I get it, but just as this special occasion world title match, maybe TNT throws them like a really long commercial before and make it like commercial free because it was just. Such an epic piece of artwork to me. Yeah, I mean, at least it was picture in picture. At least. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, you saw top tier Kenny Omega on free television. So, I mean, that's good enough to tell you that. But at the same time, you saw John Moxley still, like, fighting like a fucking monster. Uh, the spot itself where Kenny the leg of John Moxley was great and how he just viciously went after it. Moxley continued to also just throw Kenny around outside and beat him up on the outside. Um, and V trigger after V trigger after V trigger was thrown. There was a second paradigm shift at one point. And then eventually it gets to the point where uh, Moxley hits a paradigm shift on the outside of the ring and right into these heaters that are outside the ring. And after that, ref starts calling for uh, Doc, and apparently he just like just took the bump really bad, and like just had like they were talking about like oh he might be burned. I was like okay, well, but <laughs> either way, he took he took a hard shot to that, and then landed on the concrete. Don Callis comes up all of a sudden holding a mic, and then the referee he starts yelling at the referee through the microphone, and then um, then just. While he's distracted, uh, Moxley pushes Don Callis away, and then that microphone ends up in the hands of Kenny Omega, who then just nails it into the head of John Moxley, busts him open. Four straight V-triggers, one winged angel, one, two, three, new AEW world champion Kenny Omega, and then him and Don Callis fucking bolted just out, out of the arena. They were like other wrestlers backstage that were yelling at him. I, my favorite was Jim Ross just saying, we got we got jobbed. And then Don Callis gets chased by um, Alex Marvez asking what's going on. He says, you'll find out this Tuesday. He's like, Dynamite's on Wednesday, not Tuesday. You'll find out this Tuesday on Impact Wrestling on Axis TV. And right there, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? I don't know what's happening anymore. I don't know what's going on. Kenny Omega is going to show up on Impact with the AEW World Title, and like my head fucking exploded. So I mean, like I, I gotta compose myself a little bit. Uh, Rich, somebody jump in on this because I don't know what to say. Uh, Rich, <laughs> Rich, this is your moment. This is your moment, sir. Go. This is why I brought you on the show. <laughs> Kenny Omega is the AEW champion. Um, after all the capping, after all the noise. <laughs> After all the hating, after all the awesome wrestling he's done this year, after going into Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame and breaking people's brains, um, <laughs> it, it, it's just like, it's funny because like, 
it's cool that Cam May won the title and all that. When Kenny went in the Observer Hall of Fame, that was kind of like the last thing I really, really wanted for him. This is all, this is victory lap right here, like with, with this belt. Um, I, I would have gave this match about four and a quarter. Um, obviously, they did like the angle at the end of the match. Totally understand what they're doing. Kenny's going to get into the place where only he can get is to really get under people's skin in a way they just don't like. And I don't know if it's something about something that I'm drawn to because I think about my favorite athletes, my favorite rappers. I, I like people that are very polarizing. Like Kobe Bryant is my favorite basketball player. A lot of people that didn't like Kobe Bryant, like when he was around. Uh, one of my favorite rappers is a rapper named Russ. A lot of people don't like Russ. My favorite wrestler, um, Kenny Omega. A lot of people don't like Kenny Omega, but when they stick it to these people, it's just so great. And Kenny... With this Don Callis thing, that is a match made in heaven. Um, we all know how much Don Callis added and enhanced his presentation uh, when he was in New Japan, especially now with seeing hopping from company to company. It's just like, how can we even keep track of what's happening? Be like, yo, there was a fuck finish. There was a title change. There's possibly a promotion partnership. Kenny's going to be on a new show next week. Impact just announced it a couple minutes ago on Twitter and officially advertised it um, with a Kenny Omega graphic. So uh, I'm just really happy that, you know, Kenny's finally the champion. It's about time. And he's going to show the non-believers once again, like he always does. And he really doesn't even have to. <laughs> <laughs> like I yeah I, I was very happy and you know shout out to Floyd you know immediately say hey man I'm sending you the champion shirt yeah I didn't know if it was just gonna be an in the building one like remember the mox yeah, <laughs> you remember the mox belt shirt it was just it was just that night they didn't put it up on you know when they had the AW title with mox spray painted on it. They didn't put it up on uh, I was like, oh, I have to get this shirt. So I messaged, the, you know, Rich. I was like, hey, I'm getting this shirt. So I ran and ran down there, stood in line and got it. Um, but yeah, let me tell you, the storytelling in this match, you know, from Kenny going for the leg to it getting to a point where Kenny had physically met his match. The best wrestler in the world was losing a wrestling match to John Moxley, the guy from the you know from the other company. He was getting beat up. He was getting out physical, out strong style. He was getting out fought, and Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega, uh, just didn't know what to do. So the best bout machine, the guy that beat Okada in over an hour. He had to cheat to get the advantage. He did not cheat to win. I want to make that very clear because he hit him with the microphone. He did not get the pin from the microphone shot. He yeah. still hit him with four amazing V triggers. And That's guess what? You triggers I've ever seen. And you would have never thought that from the reaction of the crowd, you would the microphone thing didn't happen. Kenny Omega right. was just better. And I told people this on One Edition Radio. When, when Kenny turns, like, he was just going to love him. Yes. Like, so The, the love yeah. fest for Kenny started with him as a heel. He was already doing heel shit. So it's like Kenny Omega, 
does this. I'm li- literally no person. I'm having to watch from the aisle because there's no person sitting down for this last five, ten minutes of this match, not having a clue who was going to win. Of course, after the microphone around the third V-trigger, you, you knew Mox was going out, but it was just like this moment. You were there for it. I was there for it. The, the day, the you know, the five-star match king, the best mount machine, took his place where everyone knew he was going to be eventually on top, on the throne of AEW. Oh, my God. It was amazing. I, it was so amazing. I wish Rich would have been there because it was just – it was <laughs> just losing my you know, mind. Yeah, because everybody lost their mind. Like, you, everyone knows I'm not that – I'm not a huge Kenny Omega fan. I was literally going for the match. You know, I went for the match. I was like, man, I didn't go in, like, really rooting for anybody. I just wanted to see a match. But they told a perfect story. It was just like, how do you give, how do you give the title to quote unquote an EVP in a way that will spark interest? And they did it. The wrestling god Kenny Omega, JBL had to give his wrestling god status to Kenny Omega on this night because yeah. he did what no other wrestling wrestler could do. He fucking kicked the door open. That door that everyone's talking about. I know they were talking about the New Japan. Dude, he kicked the door open to the whole universe. Everybody's just wondering what's going to happen next. Next Wednesday could suck. And it's going to do a number because everybody can't wait to find out what happens next. This was perfect wrestling. This is the wrestling that I fell in love with. Oh my God! This was like felt like 1997, where you couldn't. Yeah. When I was in high school, and you literally couldn't go to school Tuesday without having to see the show because that's all anybody wanted to talk about. Because pretty much for the next 24 hours, that's all I did talk about. I'll take like the four. And I know some people like, hey, I'm a little disappointed. Like there was a, there, were, you know, they wanted to clean match, and I can understand that. But like for me, I'll take the four four and a quarter with the super angle afterward and everything that's a possibility now, the partnership with Impact Wrestling. I'll take that any day of the week rather than just the clean five-star match. Yeah. F- uh, fuck finishes, as they are referred to, are to me as part of much part of wrestling as a wrist lock. So you will never see me <laughs> discount a match because of that. So I grew up, I grew up on dusty finishes. they've they've been so good in building our trust so when they have to do something like this it's like oh okay but like i don't expect this to become like something that just you know runs through the promotion like where there's just bullshit and just stuff that doesn't matter but um yeah I, i guess we should talk about like you know him and Don Callis and Impact Wrestling and what what's it do for AEW? I know a lot of people have those questions, but um, you know what's it do for Impact? And I, I I see nothing but like you know positives here. Like it's the news cycle I think that that you get, and everyone's asking what the hell's going on. Uh, everyone is gonna try to figure out if there's a full partnership here. Maybe you get some cool matches on another level. Maybe this like spreads to like. You know, the tag team division. Maybe this spreads around. Um, and then, like, you got Kenny Omega and Don Callis, whatever their angle is. So, like, that's like three levels of, of excitement for, for this thing here. 
Yeah, all I got to say is Rich Swan better watch his back because wherever Kenny Omega goes, he usually takes the title. So <laughs> I'm just saying it's just like it's just, say, this is going to do everything for Impact, man, everything. Yeah, and all I'll, the other thing I'll say too is that I really hope that at least this partnership isn't like a one-way street kind of like what the partnership with New Japan and AEW was. I want to see two companies that are okay with sharing talent and like having their guys appear on the other show and having their uh, our guys appear on their show and all that kind of stuff because it, I see no reason as it why it doesn't improve. Yeah, it, it definitely will. You kind of cut out there. Uh, Both shows for it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what did all you... I, yeah, all I said it was just like both both shows should share talent. Uh, absolutely. And it's just Jordan Grace started a, a dream match scenario and everybody was throwing out their matches. Of course, FTR versus the North is on my list. FTR versus Motor City Machine Guns, definitely on the list. The the influx of women's talent, because I've clearly said Impact probably has the best women's division in, in wrestling. If they wanted to do uh, share talent that way, it's so going to be. So how would they hate now, Floyd, if, if the Impact women start coming out? How will they find a way to hate? What will it be? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, why aren't they putting over AEW women? Um, uh uh, Jordan Grace and uh, Jordan Grace and Abaddon only got eight minutes and eleven seconds on TV, and Chris Jericho's promo got eight minutes and fourteen seconds. They must hate women. Um, <laughs> I, I I've heard it all. I, I've heard it all. But Jesus. so no, I I mean this is this is not me. Saying this, Rich. No, I know, I know. Yeah, we have read this. Like people have counted down the seconds out there with the motherfucking stopwatch, <laughs> saying why. You know, so I'm just like, you know, I even saw this. I can say this. You know, Eva Lise, uh, and what's her name? I got. I just drew a blank for some reason. He but yeah, they are a tag team. And what does Impact have that AEW doesn't have? A tag women's tag team division. I mean, they could go as far or as small with this, but I will tell Tony, you have to at least have a few matches crossover. I don't think they have to do the crossover event, but they have to have at least a few crossover matches because if this is just like a one and done type thing, his his own product people will be uh, disappointed. You know, all the people AEW fans will be disappointed because everybody's building this thing up in their head. They, they There's so many dream matches. And it's like... They're already doing like some angle like that fans always wish happens. Yes. Like we always hope that companies like will do stuff like this, and now they're doing it. This is a fan service company. Yes. And I couldn't be happier to be a fan of it. It's like, it's like to me, who from Impact attacked John Moxley? It has to be somebody from Impact. Was it the Good right. Brothers that attacked John Moxley? Was it, you know, Fulton or Moose or, you know, somebody that they're trying to build up to have a fight with John Moxley? That's going to be awesome, whoever it does. It seems like that has to be a match, whoever attacked John Moxley. You can't just go away. I. It's just there's so much there, you know. You know, some people had, like, histories with Impact that you can build on. It's it's just so much they can do. It's just like I'm watching Impact on Tuesday. I can't tell you the last time Impact was appointment viewing for me. 
Right. I'm watching it live because I don't want to see spoilers. I want to what happened. So I'm going to see some people I haven't seen wrestle in months just because Kenny Omega is probably going to be on there for about oh, five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to watch a two hour show to see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to watch two hours of wrestling to see five minutes of Kenny Omega. Just know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm gonna give them the fair spin. I'm gonna load up the Twitch. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know sit here in my gaming chair and 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 watch. I'm gonna give them a shot. You know, because they clearly are doing this for a reason. Uh, I want to see the entire presentation. I'm sure they're gonna wait until 9:55. Um, I don't know. I, I was I was talking about this with with Josh. I was like, I think they should basically have Callis in the beginning do like a little speech and say, Hey, Kenny will be here later. Well, yeah, the, the the champ shows up when he wants to show up and, and give us a little something at the beginning too, hopefully. Abs- absolutely tease the shit out of this. This is old school. Don't tell anybody any idea when he's coming. Just have him show up. And it's going to be it's gonna be great because they deliver. It's just like I have confidence in Don Callis because I know he knows how to, you know, I know he knows how to write great television. And then you got to have confidence in AEW and Tony Khan because Tony Khan's not going to let them do anything shitty. So it's like you got these brilliant wrestling minds coming together, and it's like it's it's going to be good, and you know it's going to be good. Yeah. But that was AEW Dynamite this week. Uh, winter has come, and it was pretty much fucking insane. Um, I mean, like, arguably one of the best Dynamites that we've had. Um, Floyd was there for himself. He can tell you how nuts it was. And, I mean, there was a lot that happened. And all it makes you care about is, like, what's up next? Because, obviously, we have Kenny showing up on Impact on Tuesday um, and then on Dynamite next week, the preview that we have, we're going to hear from Sting and see what the hell is up with that. Uh, we're going to have an interview with Kenny Omega. Dustin Rhodes will be f- facing off against 10 from the Dark Order. We'll be seeing more of Abaddon, and um, we'll also be seeing Lance Archer and the Lucha Bros faced off against Eddie Kingston and the Butcher and the Blade. And then the Inner Circle Ultimatum will be taking place like... The hype is just continuing into next week's show. I mean, like, Dustin versus 10 is something that's just, like, okay, like, that's a match on the show or whatever. But, like, you get to see more of Abaddon, who I love, just her look and the way that she's, like, portraying herself. You get to hear from Sting. You get to hear from the new AEW champion. You get to see the ultimatum for the Inner Circle. And then just a crazy six-man tag match, I'm sure, between Lance, Lucha Bros, Kingston, and Butcher and the Blade. I don't see too much wrong with this uh, with this preview for next week's Dynamite. A uh, couple things we missed. So there was one thing with um, uh, I did not like what they did with Hikaru Shida and Abaddon. Uh, they they turned yeah. Shida into a scary champion. Scary champions don't get over. They end up like Seth Rollins. Um, they <laughs> and the Fiend um, and John Moxley. Like you know, I think I think we got to eulogize. You know. Possibly the greatest babyface title run in in how many years? Man, the contrast of his title runs from when he was with the other company to AEW, like it's just it's just if if you can't say that he looked like more of a credible champion and a badass in AEW than he did before, then you just 
You you just not paying attention. I can't. I won't even take anything else you say after that because I know you just can't be honest. Because it is like if you have two eyes, he was built as a badass, this incredible fighting machine. He didn't that would call his shot ahead of time. Yes, time. yes. He wasn't this guy. He he wasn't this guy that you know basically got squashed in a street fight against Brock Lesnar. He wasn't that guy. He wasn't the guy wearing a gas mask because everybody was diseased. He wasn't that guy. He wasn't all this different shitty versions of him that we've seen before who made somebody. He wasn't pulling the wagon and squirting mustard with hot dogs and wearing the rodeo cowboy hat. Yes. And let me tell you, I am. Let me tell you about the contrast of Mox. I, at WrestleMania 30, I'm just going to bring this up in New Orleans. I get to access, and my fat ass, who doesn't run for anything, ran to the line because the one person in the shield I wanted to meet was Dean Ambrose. Because he had this badass feel, badass look, badass everything. Two years later, fast forward to WrestleMania 32, match against Brock Lesnar. I went to the bathroom. Yikes. Because they had killed any caring I had for this man. A man that had me running to stand in the line for an hour two years before I had got to the point where I didn't care so much that his match became my bathroom match. Now, it was like, oh, okay, this guy that has been presented in AEW for the last 18 months was the guy I thought I was getting after WrestleMania 30. So, I just, I, I don't know how ever else to explain this. This is somebody I wanted to love, but he was presented in such a crappy way that I couldn't. And then now they have given him to me the way he was supposed to be. This is the character. This is whatever you want to expose. It feels so natural. Everything he says, every promo he, he cuts feels so natural. I don't even like calling it a character. You know, it's just good. It's just great wrestling. It's just a badass dude. And it took four of the nastiest V-triggers and the patented one-wing angel to pin him. He didn't just lose, you know what I mean? He basically had to be murdered to lose the match. That That's how a champion like this loses. It took a superhuman effort. It took cheating and then a superhuman effort to beat John Moxley. So whenever you want to put him back in the title picture or have a match, it makes sense because he is a badass now. Well, and they've all the door is wide open for them to do a third match. They're gonna do a third match, um, and you can look at it like the unsanctioned match doesn't count. Kenny had to cheat. To win this one. So who's really going to get that big signature win? And that's maybe what that third match is going to decide. Absolutely. All right. Well, unless y'all got anything else you want to add on for this week, I think that's going to do it for this episode of All Things Elite. Anything else that you guys really want to go on to, or should I start plugging everything? Well, there is the, the slight preview from next week. I'm looking forward to what Sting has to say. 
is he going to what his role is going to be forward? Is he going to be like a full time wrestler? Is he going to coach Darby Allen? How that's going to go down? I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and the weird match. You maybe Rich can tell me where does Dustin Rhodes and Ten match come from? No idea. Seems like something <laughs> they just kind of announced. I'm thinking they want to get Ten in there with Dustin. They probably talking backstage like, "Yeah, I'll work with your kid." And you know, they they see Ten as a prospect. You know, just like they see Allen Angels and Jungle Boy and Lee Johnson. Like he's another one of those guys. So Dustin usually does well when it comes to ratings. You know, he did well in the Brody Lee um, title challenge. The bunkhouse match uh, was a success as well. So throw him out there, you know, short match. Ten's kind of a big guy, so, you know, put him in there with Dustin and see whatever, because Dustin's like another Frank Gazarian. Like, he, you can just put him out and he can work. Typically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the Inner City Ultimatum, really uh, looking forward to that. Uh, the big thing I did want to put it in our news and notes, I forgot to put it and we can uh, finish wrap it up after this Tony Khan going in on, uh, the WWE's treatment of Miro, you know, yeah. formerly known as oh, Rusev. Yeah. I had to bring this up. He says, I, he said, he called out Twitter. He said, I saw on Twitter. Someone said this guy was at a freaking tank. It came out to WrestleMania in a freaking tank. And he's like, that was 2015 that was five years ago and basically they did shit with him after that he was then getting kicked in the groin and they completely destroyed his character and what i'm doing now is rebuilding his character he is going to be a major star in aew oh my god it's like tony khan when you you know it's one of those things if you catch him at the wrong moment he starts spitting fire and it's just like like if you ask me my wrestling mvp of 2020 i'm saying it's tony khan (laughs) well he's definitely best booker yeah that's what i'm like it's just like the product that they're presenting it's just hitting all the right notes i know it probably won't last forever but right now in this window of time of wrestling it's just everything they're doing is hitting the right note even when they mess up they tend to flip it back next and then he talks like if honestly to me he talks like what rich would talk like if he ran a company he tells you exactly how it is it's like like (laughs) one thing about tony khan is like he's i know he's always watching he's plugged in just like the rest of us like he was a he, he was a fan they happen to be a billionaire. They happen to, you know, get the respect of all these wrestlers and run a great company. And, you know, he's like, he'll jump in. The, like, this man was tweeting out the ratings, like, yesterday. Floyd, like, of NXT. Like, that's like, you know, I saw some people crying about that. I was like, man, uh, Bischoff would have really had you on tears in the 90s. He definitely would have tweeted out the ratings. Oh, he might have made a video. Like- I was going to say, it would have been a YouTube video every week of Bischoff talking about how he owned the WWE. And it's just, <laughs> and it wouldn't have I'm been. I'm going to put this man out of business. <laughs> like that. Yes, yes. He would have put, dude, that would have been a pro wrestling t-shirt. Bischoff 316 is I'm going to put you out of business or something like that. It would have been there. 
It, you know, it would have been there. And it's just, and they wouldn't have, and it's just like, and that's what Tony Khan has is this renegade, I don't give a fuck attitude. Like, I'll say whatever, because what? You know, everybody else has to be scared of Vince because Vince is a billionaire. Their family has more money than the McMahons. It's like, no, I'm, he's not scared. He can say what he wants. He's like, we own a football team. Dude, this is our side project. <laughs> it's like the third, we have Fulham too. So it's like, I don't yeah. know, man. Like this, like I think with, with Tony, he is a, um, it's, it's really interesting like with all this now because like AEW's positioned itself to try to open up the wrestling world. And that's like, I, I sent to the group chat, open up the wrestling world in all caps. Like Kenny's going to AAA next week to defend the belt. They've, they've been working with the NWA. They got impact here. I think they're trying to put themselves in a position to be the big brother to a lot of different promotions. And in turn, it's just going to make them look bigger and better. And, and like fans are just going gravitate to towards, gravitate towards it, you know, unless they just have a blind allegiance uh, to WWE and won't, you know, watch anything else ever. But outside of that, it's like everyone else like, is going to form up and eventually fall in the line if this goes well. Yeah, uh, and you know, and that's what they're gonna have to do. I mean, it's something. It's the, it's like when you're in a war, the it's usually the side that will do the thing that the other side won't do that ends up winning. In this case, AEW working with other companies and saying we're not going to bury you on our TV. We're going to try to work it for you just as well as it works for us is the one thing the other company won't do. And it's the one way that WWE can't compete. Uh, and, and it was funny. We had Triple H on the conference call saying, saying yeah, WWE would love uh, to work with other companies, but knowing that's not his decision to make. So yeah. it's interesting. I've had conversations with people in the business about this. Um, same thing that you mentioned, Floyd, like how AEW would promote, like they put a poster out that has like, uh, the, you know, uh, FTR on it. Uh, they will put the belt on them. And it's like, bro, they're sending people the bat signal in WWE. Like, yo, if you come here, we're going to promote you. We're not going to treat you like shit and bury you. Like, it's a bat signal. It's not like a, yo, we have to promote the WWE guys because they have their own guys. Like, as we're all about to see, they've had them the whole time. It's just been brilliant strategy rolling out from Jericho to Mosley and now Kenny. And I don't know if you you're thinking what I'm thinking, Floyd, but if this this renegade Kenny Omega has hijacked this title, there's going to be somebody that has to win it back from him. Absolutely, absolutely, it's somebody that's going to have to step up and defend AEW and get their title back. And it's just, oh my God, who could it be? It can you know you there's so many people that that they've built up well that it could be that it's just amazing it's like yes it could be hangman very much so it could be hangman but an argument can be made for Pac. an argument can be made for darby allen an argument can be made for so many different wrestlers jericho could raise up and as a face quote-unquote face and take the title back for AEW. there's so many people that you could build this up for they could break the stipulation, you know. Cody, yes. Like I'm gonna, you know, I I've never been able to challenge this title, but but they'd be like, Kenny Blake, so what? 
fight me for it, you know, and yeah. whatever. Yeah. I, I would not enjoy that, however, but. Oh, my know, God. Oh, hey. I, you know, a, I don't. If they're. I don't care if I have to fly into Tampa. We're both going to be at that show, sir. <laughs> I, I will come to your house and drive you to that show. <laughs> yeah. I, I will. I would return the favor uh, with, with with buying you a Cody Rose champion shirt should that happen. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be something to worth exploring breaking the situation for or the stipulation for, and that's like you know. You let Kenny hold the belt however long, but I don't know, man. I I'm really excited. I'm just like every week, no matter what, you put Kenny Omega and just fill in the blank. It's the most anticipated match on the show. This guy literally has worked with a broom and put on an amazing match, a blow up doll, a child. So there's no one in this company that he can't work with and put on an amazing match. So the world champion right now is the best wrestler in the company. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's very old school. This is Nick Bockwinkle. You know what I mean? It's, it's like seventies. It's going to be a ride. This is Ric Flair. Hope the the haters can live with it. Yes. And (laughs) yes. And you know what? And Don Callis, wrestling genius in cutting oh, promos and doing what he does it's going to be amazing kind of like the new jeff jarrett in a way like this man has finessed himself into just these these amazing positions but unlike jeff jarrett he makes everything better oh all right well, <laughs> I'm not hating. I'm not hating on jeff jarrett but just look at the track record that's all i'm saying <laughs> On that note, I think that'll do it for this episode of All Things Elite. We got to thank our lovely guest from from One Nation Radio, the talented rapper, the talented producer, Rich Lada. My man, thank you so hey. much for joining us. It has been a pleasure having you here. Appreciate you. Thanks for hosting. Absolutely, man. And uh, again, if you want to follow him on social media, be sure to check him out. What's your Twitter once again? Be at RichLatta32. Yeah. Yes, and also be sure to stream. Oh my God, you got to make sure you stream GPS. You got to make sure you do that. You search up yeah. Swerve City on on Spotify, or it will be in the it, it will be on the link that we send out. You're gonna straight link to Spotify and GPS. Yes, be sure there to stream it, it. It's quality stuff, man. You're gonna really enjoy it, especially if you're a fan of hip hop. Now, again, make sure you download this show on Spotify. On, not on Spotify. You can share on Spotify, but you can download on Google or Apple Podcasts if you enjoy the show. Leave a rating and a review. Let us know what you think and if we could do anything better. And if you're inclined to, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. On Twitter, we are at AT Elite Pod. At Social Suplex is our friends at Social Suplex who help make this possible. I am at SZoomer4 on Twitter. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with that out of the way, Floyd can go ahead and take us home for this episode of All Things Elite. Thank you guys so much for listening. Floyd, go ahead. I am not going to be long-winded this week since the show was a little long. I'm just going to say happy holidays to all that celebrate and happy December to all that don't. And whether you are shopping online or out in the world, wear a mask and always do your best to be elite.